Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. Today we're looking at the corruption scandals that continue to shake Brazil. In the latest development, former President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva once regarded as a global political superstar, has been sentenced to almost 10 years in jail for corruption. And Lula's successor as president, Dilma Rousseff, was forced out of office following corruption allegations, and the current president, Michael Temer, may also be impeached for corruption. So is all this turmoil good or bad for Brazil? Joining me on the line to discuss that is our Sao Paulo bureau chief, Joe Leahy, and on the line also, John Paul Rathbone, our Latin America editor. Um, Joe, first of all, has the uh, sentencing of Lula come as a big shock in Brazil? What's the mood? No, Gideon, it wasn't exactly a surprise. I mean, Lula has been uh, for some time a suspect. And in fact, there are five cases against him underway. This is one of them. So we could expect even more sentences against him as time goes on. This has been a process that's sort of been underway for about three years, if you like, as part of the big Lava Jato investigation into Petrobras, the state-owned oil company. Lula's, in a way, because he was such, as I said, a global star, the most shocking element, maybe for outsiders, but the whole Brazilian political class seems to be caught up in this. Yeah, what we're seeing is almost a, not a purging exactly, but a a re-examination of the entire Brazilian political system. It's a system that's run on patronage and something that they call Caixa Dois, which is sort of illegal campaign funding and this funding has been provided by private sector companies over the years and just about every party has had some input from construction companies some of this illegal money flowing into their campaigns and as a result of this kind of illegal economy if you like there's also been a lot of personal enrichment by different politicians so what we're seeing is with the rise of more independent courts more independent prosecutors and independent judges such as the one that just tried Lula whose name is Sergio Moro We're seeing this system suddenly come out into the daylight, and even though Brazilians have known for a long time that this all goes on, it's something of a shock to see it sort of exposed so clearly. Yeah, and Jean-Paul, you argue that it's basically, although highly disruptive and in some ways disorientating, a necessary and positive process for Brazil. Yeah, I think it's necessary and positive for the whole region. I mean, Brazil is not only going through it itself, but because... One of the companies that is at the heart of the scandal, Odebrecht, was Latin America's biggest construction company. Its effects have rippled out across the whole region. And it's essentially positive because one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem in the region, is rule of law or more specifically impunity. And if the Lava Jato case really does mark the beginning of the end of impunity or at least a radical diminishing of it, this is a major and extremely positive revolution with a small R. But if a whole way of doing things is also being changed and disrupted and cleaned up, that's an extremely unsettling process because all the practices of the past are now suddenly illegal and skeletons are tumbling out of the closet. And yet it must also be very disillusioning because uh, a lot of us will remember that Lula was hailed all over the world. I remember Obama saying, you know, he's my hero as somebody who was a great social reformer, who had changed Brazil for the better, and to find that actually... 
he had, to put it mildly, feet of clay is a little disorientating, isn't it? How the mighty have fallen, in, in a way. And everyone knows, you know, about plumbing, but no one really likes to see how it works. It's always very unattractive. And it's also highly politicized as well, because Lula was so popular. And he was such a, a figure internationally and in Brazil. During his presidencies, uh, millions of people were lifted out of poverty. To see such a figure being charged with corruption is, is hugely symbolic. And Joe, I mean, Lula was, as John Paul implies, a hero, particularly to the Brazilian working class. So has his conviction, uh, is it kind of socially divisive? It is socially divisive, but not right down the middle of Brazilian society. I would say Lula retained sort of a hardcore support base of maybe 20 to 30 percent of the population. These are the poor, the extreme poor, people in the northeast, which is the poorer part of Brazil. These people who have benefited from the three main policies that he did, which was the Bolsa Familia, which was a monthly stipend for poor families to send their kids to school, the Minha Casa, Minha Vida, which was a sort of cheap housing, and also his increases in the minimum wage, which benefited a lot of the low-income working class. So these people remain extremely loyal to Lula. But on the other side are the people who blame Lula for Brazil's recession, which has been the worst in history and has been going for two years. And part of the cause of the recession was sort of overspending by the governments of Lula's Workers' Party. So not only Lula himself in his second term, but also his successor Dilma Rousseff, who ran large budget deficits and started the recession. And John Paul, I mean, as you say, in a way, this is all part of the process of creating a clean democracy. But isn't there a danger that it also leads to just a widespread disgust with the political class generally? Because as well as the last three presidents being caught up in this, the head of the lower house of Congress being sentenced to prison for corruption, is there a danger that Brazilians just conclude that there are no leaders out there with clean hands? It's not so much a danger as a reality, because that's already happened. The whole of the Brazilian political class is completely discredited. And you see that for the 2018 elections, where the field is completely open. There are no clear candidates whatsoever. And now Lula had been one of the Workers' Party's main candidates, probably the main candidate, whether he would run for president or not actually is another matter, because although he does have, as Joe mentioned, a core base of support, 20 to 30 percent, he also has the highest rejection rate of potential politicians. Basically, I mean, the field is completely open. And the worry is that from such an open field, weird political animals can emerge. And the parallel here is with Italy, where they had the Manopoliti, the clean hands movement, which is extremely popular in jailing corrupt politicians and others associated with mafia crime. But in the end became a discredited process because the accusations were flying everywhere. The whole political class was discredited. And out of this mess, out of the rubble, rose the figure of Silvio Berlusconi. And Joe, I mean, what about the fate of the current president, President Temer? I mean, is he likely to be impeached? That's something that varies according to the week. It's sort of like a telenovela on fast forward. You know, two weeks ago, it looked like he was losing support in Congress. Now he seems solid. As you know, the process is all in his favour. Under Brazil's constitution, he can only be tried with the permission of the Congress. And he needs only one vote more than one third of the Congress to win this vote. So the odds are in his favour. But the prosecutor has apparently other cases and other evidence that he's threatening to bring against Temer. So things could change at any moment. The actual vote on this particular indictment in the Congress is on the 2nd of August. So he'll probably survive that one. But it's anyone's guess if he'll make it through to the end of 2018. 
And on this question that John Paul mentioned of what comes next, people have talked about possibly either extreme left or extreme right figures emerging. Is that too alarmist? It's not too alarmist, no. There is an extreme right figure who's already in view. His name is Bolsonaro. He is a figure who's in favour of uh, more or less military dictatorship returning. He's got the support of a lot of police personnel and probably armed forces personnel as well. And that's not to say that there is a likelihood of dictatorship re-emerging. That's not on the horizon. But he is a sort of an extreme right figure. He's very divisive and he could influence the election. It's still highly unlikely that he would win but he could get through to the second round. On the extreme left, we don't really have any strong figures at this point, but as JP uh, highlighted just before, the chances of people emerging that we weren't expecting are quite high at this stage. You know, I think everyone's sort of holding their cards close to their chests at this point, but these figures could emerge. There is one person who's a newcomer who's coming more into view. He's the mayor of Sao Paulo, Joel Doria. He's a mainstream candidate, more or less. He's sort of centre-right belongs to the PSDB party, which is the party of the former president, Fernando Hiki Cardozo, who was known as a reformer and a good economic manager. So he's kind of steering into view. But on the other side of politics, on the left side of politics, we haven't seen anyone other than Lula at this stage. And John Paul, just to round it up, I mean, the significance of Brazil obviously goes well beyond the country itself. It's the biggest country in Latin America. It's one of the BRICs, I think the fifth most populous country in the world. So give us a sense of what's at stake for the region and what happens in Brazil. Well, it's basically Brazil is half of Latin America in terms of population and GDP. What is going on in Brazil is a very positive yardstick for the rest of the region if what goes on there catches on. And you've seen former presidents in Argentina, Peru, Panama, have all been found of, of corruption-related charges that stem from Brazil and the Odebrecht case. So if one takes the most positive view of all of this, that it will eventually lead to better, clearer, more transparent societies with less impunity, then what is going on is potentially, and maybe this is too much of a hope, too much wishful thinking, it's a genuinely positive revolution and change in the way that societies organise themselves. Well, we'll leave it on that hopeful note for once. Thank you very much indeed, John Paul Rathbone, and thanks also to Joe Leahy in Sao Paulo. That's it for this week. Until next When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Week. Goodbye.